My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. The key verse for today for me is this. Verse 9 said, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Now, later on, he says, go and tell my brothers. We're going to talk about that later. But that was an echo to the story of Joseph. But I don't know why. Verse 9 jumped out at me. It was like an aha moment. Have you had any of those? There's some famous aha moments. The king said to Archimedes, I'm not sure this crown is made out of gold. In fact, I think it might be a leaden crown covered in gold. You have to figure out how to do it without destroying this beautiful crown. And you remember the story, Archimedes was where? In the bathtub. And when he got in, the water went up and he realized that everything has its own weight. And he figured out how much the crown should weigh if it was out of gold or out of lead. And he ran down the street shouting, Eureka, thank you. Right? That was an aha moment. He was in the bathtub and then it hit him. Helen Keller, you may remember, also had an aha moment. Annie Sullivan kept signing in her hand different words and Helen Keller didn't understand until one day Annie Sullivan took her to the well and she put water in one hand and signed the word water in the other and that was the moment that Helen Keller realized that, that this meant something. And, you know, she went on to be a great author and public speaker. Alexander Graham Bell was trying to transmit a voice over wire. Nobody had done it before. They could do it with Morse code, but not with the voice. He spilled acid on himself, and he said, Watson, come here. I want to see you. Watson was in the other room and came in. It was an aha moment. Ingvar Kamrod, Camprod, you may not know that name, he's the founder of Ikea, was watching one day as people were taking the legs off of a table so they could fit it into their car. And he said, you know what we can do better? We can make flat pack furniture. And that's what you get when you go to Ikea. You get something that in a flat box, and then I'm sorry to say, you have to hire a teenager to put it together. <laughs> now... When I was just out of college, there weren't many jobs, and I sold rainbow vacuum cleaners. Does anybody have or seen a rainbow vacuum cleaner? I love the rainbow vacuum cleaner. I couldn't afford it at the time, but you put water in the bottom, and it spins at 50,000 RPMs, and it sucks the air through the water. The water is the filter, and 99.9-something .9 percent fresh air comes out. You can put it in your house and it'll take the pollen out of your air. It has such a strong suction, it will suck the fleas off your dog. Yes, I used to sell rainbow vacuum cleaners. And they would talk about the founder of rainbow being a little tipsy one night. This is how he came up with the idea. And he was trying to kick dirt out of a mud puddle. And he realized that you couldn't get dirt out of a mud puddle, and that's how he came up with the idea of the rainbow vacuum cleaner. And what we're talking about today is an aha moment. Now, those of you that are not historically oriented or in need of a vacuum cleaner, 
1977, V8 came out with a slogan, an idea that is still here today. A woman was in her office eating a granola-type bar, and then she hit her head, and we heard this little pop, and she said, look at that. I could have had a V8. They still use it. Little babies have popped mama's heads. Uh, Gym people have popped people doing sit-ups. I could have had a V8. It's an aha moment. Well, this is exactly what I think happened today. And I don't think it happened when they saw the empty two. Now, I'm using what my preaching professor called my God-given gift of imagination. And in this story, two women went to the tomb. And in another story, five women went to the tomb. I want to tell you that there were a group of women who went to the tomb. And you say, well, why are the Gospels different? Well, I, I have to refer to the, the holy book of Gilligan's Island. Right? Gilligan, the skipper to a millionaire and his wife, a movie star... The Professor and Mary Ann. You remember that? Did you know in the first two seasons that wasn't there? In the first two seasons it said, a movie star and the rest. The Professor and Mary Ann didn't get mentioned. They were just the rest. I think that's what happened here, depending on the author. Some authors felt that we needed to know every person exactly who went to the tomb. And some authors just wanted us to know the important people. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Women went to the tomb. That's where I'm headed. And when they got there, the stone was rolled away, and there was an angel sitting on the stone. Now, if you know me, you know I, I spent some time on this. Have you ever tried to sit looking relaxed? Like Vicky's in the other room, and then she comes back in, and you try to look relaxed. So I'm wondering, did the angel like sit with his legs crossed on the stone? Did he lean back on the stone like this? Or maybe he did that, the sideways lean. Now, I'm sorry the people who are on the recording can't see this, but I, I'm doing a lot of stuff, right? How, 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 how did he sit on the stone? We may never know. I'm going to add it to my list of questions right after, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I want to know how did the angel sit on the stone? But the angel was there, and the women came, and he said, Behold, the tomb is empty, he's risen. And maybe they peeked in, like, uh, are you sure he's not in there? And they left. Now, when they left, what's going on through their minds? What? what? Empty? One of them probably said, we got up at this hour of the morning to go to the tomb, and he's not there? And then... Hear this, on the road, they met Jesus. What? But wait, is it really you, they said? How, how, how did this happen? And I believe that that was the moment that the aha took place. Think about Thomas. Thomas heard from all the disciples, we saw the risen Christ, but he didn't really get it until he saw Jesus. Now, I can't say anything more about Thomas because Pastor Wickey's preaching on that next week. But there's a moment when we all have to have 
this total realization that it's not just a story, that it's not a fable. It's not something we talk about once a year, like Santa Claus and the Easter Buddy. It's not that. There's got to come a moment when this is real. Now, I want to add something a little historical here. I want you to think about this for a second. Women in the time of Jesus weren't real people. How could you say that, Dr. Madison? Because it's true. They ran the house. In fact, in some countries, cattle were more valuable than women. So women could not even testify in court. So these five women witnesses, two mentioned in the gospel we read today, were, were going to tell people, but they didn't have any credibility in society. Then why are they in the story? Because it was true. Think about this. They're in the gospel story because it really happened. Otherwise, if it was made up, the authors would have found more credible witnesses. Because the women in that day were not credible witnesses. So they're in the story because it really happened. Do you ever tell stories on yourself? Well, you know, I did this stupid thing or that silly thing or whatever. I, I did this years ago and I, I use it in my psychology class. My wife left me a note, make the kids Campbell soup for dinner. Kids like Campbell soup, I can do that. I read the can. I did not read the can. I'm sorry. I took the can top off and I went like this and it had congealed. It had formed a vacuum. Dr. Madison, I said, what do you do? I said, well, it's congealed and formed a vacuum. You have to break the vacuum. So I turned the can over and I cut the other part out. Out comes the soup. And then I read the directions. Add one can of milk. Well, I don't have a can anymore. I have a tube, right? So the gospel writers are in essence telling a story on themselves. We wish it was a credible witness, but we're sort of stuck with these five women and we're going to go with that. They saw what happened. Now in Acts 1-3, at the beginning of the verse, it says, he presented himself alive after his suffering. So Jesus made it a point, I don't know if you know this, to be seen by 500 people before he ascended into heaven. Already did that. Now, Jesus at the end of this passage says to the women, go and tell my brethren that I'm alive. Now, here's something interesting. He never called them brethren, brothers, until this time. He called them disciples. He called them apostles. He even called them friends in the Gospel of John. But he never called them brothers. Now, for us, we, we call people brothers all the time. In fact, now the kids are, bro, how are you? I, not a word I use often, and I was forbidden to use the word dude. My, my students said it just doesn't sound right coming out of your mouth. So Jesus says, hey, my brothers, and it resonated with these people because the only other story about brothers in the Bible was Joseph. And if you remember, Joseph's brothers had thrown him in the, 
in the tomb, I almost said, in the well and sold him into slavery and he'd been in prison and then finally he got to be the savior of his brothers and all of the Jewish people. Joseph was deserted and denied and deported. And all these things happened to Jesus. He, I wrote in my notes, he got D, all of the above. And like Joseph, Jesus reconciled, redeemed, and restored his relationship with the disciples who had betrayed him and deserted him. Today, I want you to hear this, Jesus is meeting you on the road. And he says, greetings. Now, I looked this up because I was a little frustrated. It, it, it doesn't, sort. It, it's hard to explain. You know when you take one language and you move it to another, it doesn't always fit? There's an old saying, you know, some people say good morning God and other people say good God, it's morning. It's one of those things. It doesn't just mean greetings, it means rejoice, be glad. It's a happy, exuberant, woohoo type of greeting. So the RSV that we read this morning says hail, that doesn't do it. The NIV says greetings. It should really say, I'm here, like the little dust packet, dust packet. Horton hears a who, right? I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. It's got to have that excitement to it. And today we meet Jesus on the road. And what does he say? I'm here. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And here's what else he says the tomb is empty, the world is saved. And you are forgiven. This is the moment that you're invited to have your aha. Now, I've had the privilege of going to Israel, and I've had the privilege of seeing the tomb, and I'm here to tell you the tomb is empty. In fact, I took pictures. And uh, in other children's sermons you may have seen, I brought the empty tomb pictures in. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus lives he is risen, risen indeed. Now, if you've never recognized Jesus as your risen, living, loving Savior and Lord, make today the day. If you've never made that decision, let's bow our heads and pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead and I invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my risen Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, then this is your aha moment. This is the moment where you said, I can't do it on my own. I want to walk with you. And if you prayed that prayer in the past, boy, that's a difficult sentence, isn't it? <laughs> if you prayed that prayer in the past and you've not lived the life that you promised, then let this be the day that you reclaim your aha and embrace the Savior. And as always, our first pew is open during the final hymn. And if you prayed that sinner's prayer or you want to recommit and reconnect or you have a concern, an issue, or a challenge for which you would like prayer, we would like to pray with you. Come forward during the last hymn on the first pew and let us help you join the family of God. Amen.